0: I am guilty of requesting Bananarama this morning because I just felt like it was a Bananarama type of morning. Although I'm sure Von Palmer from the Vancouver Sun would disagree with me on that, right, Von?
1: No, I go with that. Sounds great. Well, I feel Sounds like, like somebody else, though. You know, you were talking about <laughs> yes. music plagiarism, and uh, it's a great subject. Um, I mean, the thing about it, and since you said you were going to ask me about it, I, I'm I say what I think as a former rock critic. Look, most popular. We're talking about popular music, and most. Popular musicians, most successful ones, the first thing they'll tell you is they started off listening to somebody else. That's why they became pop musicians. They exactly. were inspired. And they start off sounding like whoever the hell inspired them. And if they're really successful, they get to be original and do their own stuff. But how much overlap? Well, you know, Simi, that's often an issue that has to be sorted out in court. If you're really successful, And there are echoes of your predecessors in your work. Um, Not surprisingly, whoever holds the publishing rights or the other creative rights um, to the earlier stuff, uh, they might send their lawyers after you. And uh, it's happened to a lot of really big musicians. Um, George Harrison. Yeah. John Lennon of the Beatles was successfully sued for ripping off Chuck Berry. Uh, So were the Beach Boys. Now, I recall someone saying at the time, I think it was a musician, that everybody ripped off Chuck Berry. In fact, you could argue that rock and roll
0: Exactly: itself right.
1: ripped off Chuck Berry. So, there is, however, see, I give you the greatest of the legal battles over plagiarism. Yes. And it was the accusation of self-plagiarism, where Neil Young was sued by his own record company for not sounding enough like Neil Young. What? Yeah, he put out albums. Geffen Records signed Neil Young uh, away from his previous record company and looked forward to him churning out a whole bunch of Neil Young-type hits, and he put out a whole bunch of albums the record company didn't like, and they sued him for not sounding enough like Neil Young. In other words, they bought him looking for him to sound like Neil Young, and he didn't. And that one ended up in court. Very messy battle. At the end of the day, the record company apologized to Neil Young and didn't win, but he may be the only pop uh, artist in history who was accused of not stealing from himself.
0: That seems like crazy that they would even file that. That was David Geffen, I guess. And, but just crazy. Why would you even file that lawsuit? Because well, you don't tell somebody how to sound.
1: Yeah, but you know, you're, we're beginning to see, we continue to see just how valuable pop music is, and particularly the publishing rights and the royalties that flow from them for a long time. So even when record sales collapse and people forget about CDs and all that, there's still enormous money to be made if you hold the rights, especially the publishing rights to the song, or the songwriting royalties and all of that. Um you know, look at that. Bob Dylan just sold his back music catalog for yes. what, $600 million going forward. Um, that includes a number of early Bob Dylan songs where people have said, hey, Dylan put the copyright on it, but he really borrowed the song from his predecessors who were folk musicians or blues musicians, so... That's why this stuff ends up in court, because if you win, there's an awful lot of money in the win.
0: It is so fascinating. I know that we should almost do another segment with you about that, but we're here yeah. to talk some politics, yeah, too. Because sure. um, there is another what, modeling press conference coming up today. We heard from Adrian Dix yesterday. It's been a busy couple of days.
1: Yeah, it's been a very, very busy month on the pandemic front. And I think that's, uh, you know, in the healthcare front. And that's because, uh, you know, the government thought this story was going to fade, and it didn't. And not only did it not fade, it went in the wrong direction and it went in a, a direction of a, a fourth wave and things getting worse. So yesterday Dick's made major announcement in the healthcare sector. Normally it would have been a huge headline. Uh, he is basically taking 4000 jobs that were sent out to private contractors for cleaning and uh, and uh... food services so the liberals sent those jobs out to private contractors to save money and Dix is taking all four thousand of them back into government they're going to become public sector workers again a big win for the hospital employees union as i say that normally would be a huge story and, and in the long run it's an important one but when Dix went to questions yesterday uh, not surprisingly all the questions from the news media were about uh... Open issues around the pandemic, the outbreaks in long-term care, the vaccine passport controversy, enforcement and all that.
0: Which is still such a huge issue. And we still haven't gotten all the details on the vaccine passport either. (laughs)
1: No and I mean uh, one of the questions I mean I'm getting them in emails I'm sure you are as well which is you know how do I register for this how do I get yeah. one of these things what do they look like what if I don't have an iPhone all that details to come and there's not a hell of a lot of time before they do you got to you got to be going on these things by September the 13th so it's like a lot of things the new democrats have done this summer on the pandemic it's not a rush job but now they're scrambling because um, it's gotten worse You know, for a long time, they were saying we don't need vaccine passports. So um, that's part of it. We're waiting for the details along with everybody else. Uh, The other question I think that hanging out there in the air is um, there's a big outbreak here in Victoria, at a place called Sunset Lodge. A bunch of people have COVID-19 residents and a few staff. And how did it get in there when, you know, we're told 100% of the residents are vaccinated. And uh, Dix got asked about this yesterday, and I didn't find the answers all that reassuring. I don't think he knows the answer to that yet, which is surprising, too. Um, there's a suggestion, he, he referred to it, that it may be related to the fact that the people were vaccinated a long time ago, and perhaps it's a sign that the efficacy of the vaccines are fading. That's a disturbing thought. Yeah, He suggested the government's looking at the possibility of booster shots he didn't really address whether or not it got in there through the staff. Although again, there's an insistence that most of the staff in there are overwhelmingly vaccinated. So, uh, I hope this is an isolated thing that uh, to which we'll get an explanation, but, you know, I think we're all hearing from people who have uh, aged parents and relatives in long-term care, uh, gee, how safe are they? Um, the compulsory vaccination for long-term care isn't fully implemented on October the 12th, so it's a race, be- again, between the virus and the vaccine
0: certainly seems that way, too. So today we're going to get more information on the modelling of, like, oh. where we're going with these current case numbers. And it seems to me, Vaughn, that last time we did one of these press conferences and got this modelling information, we didn't pay attention to it because we were told this was coming. Uh,
1: yeah, look, um, I mean... N- the, the main thing that I find is communicated by the modeling is um, that y- you get a, a glimpse of just how complicated it is. So in some respects, British Columbia has done very, very well. We have a very high vaccination rate. On the other hand, our case count per capita is worse than in some other provinces, but um, We're back to where we were in April in terms of cases. But, you know, you also have to say, hang on a minute. Hospitalizations and ICU aren't as high. In general, the people that are getting it, and especially the people that are ending up in hospital, are people who aren't vaccinated. That's why in answer to almost every question yesterday, Dick said, get vaccinated. That's that's still got to be the push. If you're not vaccinated... Um, you're 10 times as likely to end up in hospital as a vaccinated person. Sorry, 10 times as likely to get COVID 19 as a vaccinated person, and 20 times as likely to get in hospital. You think that would do it? Um, no, nope. Bob. You know, I, <laughs> I see a colleague of ours in Kamloops, Brent Maneer, reporting this morning that he's oh, been calling yeah. around. Oh, should I even say this? What's going oh, on out no. there? It no, just, it's I so disappointing. Because it, it just in- encourages the nut factor.
0: Yeah, it does. And uh, that whole story, I thought it was just in the States, but it turns out it's here too. And you just, it just makes you realize, Vaughn, I don't know how we get through to some people. I no, just don't know how you a do struggle.
1: it. it's struggle. And, you know, I think if you, if you go back to the spring and you go back to the second and third wave, the the reason they were optimistic about getting us to the level we'll be at by Labor Day, which is 85% of the population having a first dose first dose of the vaccine. The reason that, that, that they were confident about that was because we were on track to get there, and they thought, based on the science they had at the time, that that would produce community immunity. You'd still have a, a minority of people not vaccinated, right. but it was no big deal. Nice theory, though. But the things that have changed are the Delta variant, which is much more transmissible, and some evidence that um, you may need booster shots. Certainly, Israel and the United States are both headed in that direction. That uh, You know, I mean, we know this with other vaccines that uh, you sometimes have to get a booster shot. So we may be headed in that direction as well. So it's a longer struggle than we expected, but, you know... (laughs) If uh, anyone had told me on March the 16th, uh, 2020, when I moved home from my office at the legislature, that I would still be here, not just hiding from Asian giant hornets, but from the pandemic, (laughs) I don't know what I would have done. And I think there's an awful lot of people out there that feel the same way. Like, God, I didn't know this thing was (laughs) going to go on for two years. That's what I
0: thought, too. And here we are. Avon. thank you.
1: Bye-bye.